From top 10 of the AP poll to recapping all of fall camp and breaking down game by game on this football schedule, welcome to a special hour-long edition of a Locked On Baylor Bear Den Pod crossover on Locked On Bear Den Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Bear Den Baylor. I'm Drake Toll. We'll soon be joined by Matt Workman and Joe Goodman as well, but want to thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. After we had Joe on the show last week, we thought, what? Oh, it would be great to do a crossover episode. Also, how about that rain yesterday? It finally rained. It rained a lot, a ton on Baylor's campus. I don't know if you saw that, but like people were floating away. It was awful, but also really cool because there hasn't been a lot of rain. I digress. Baylor football. There's so much to break down from fall camp that I I don't think we've completely hit. So I thought, why not get that, get AP poll, get a game-by-game breakdown, everything, and do it all in an hour-long special episode. I know an hour is a long time, but I get that. But plenty of great content coming up. And without further ado, I'm not even going to buffer. We'll take you there right now. Guys, let's hit it. We talked about last week about the uh, the coaches' poll and where Baylor was slotted there, the – and we kind of touched on that the AP poll was going to come out this past Monday, which it did. And the Baylor Bears are slotted at the exact same spot, number 10, with just a little bit of – I think it's about the same with uh, – I think Oklahoma State was a little bit lower. I have it pulled up here, the AP poll. So, yeah, so Baylor was 10, Oklahoma 9, and then Oklahoma State fell in lower at 12. So it's right about you – know, pretty close to on par with what – was going on with the uh, the coaches poll. I'm curious to get both of your thoughts about having Baylor be both 10 on both polls heading into the season. Uh, it's just a couple weeks away. Drake, I know you have you have an, uh, maybe even a unique opinion on being ranked high to start the year compared to not being ranked. Yeah, I would much rather be the the team that comes out of nowhere. That's the big story. If the number 10 team in the country goes 10 and 2, congrats. You were the number 10 team in the country. You were supposed to do that. But if TCU this season goes 9 and 3 or 10 and 2, they become the darlings of college football. So, if Baylor out of nowhere, like last year, wins a Sugar Bowl and goes 12 and 2, you are the darlings of college football. Why does Dave Aranda get so much publicity? This whole team top to bottom cuz they were so good when they weren't supposed to be. It wasn't the natural progression. When you're number 10, you're expected to be that good. You don't get to be the underdog in any of these games. Oh, number 10 Baylor went on the road to Morgantown and won. To us Baylor fans, that means a lot. To the rest of college football, they see that and they go, oh, yeah, yes, you were supposed to do that. It takes a lot of luster out of the wins on the national level. I, I don't like that part of it. I love Baylor being an underdog because they've always been, even when the, in the Bryles era, it was like if Baylor won a big game, their defense sucked so bad that it was still cool they won a big game even if they were supposed to. Now the team's like actually genuinely good compared to other big programs, and I'm not sure if I know how to feel. Still great being top 10, though, Joe. I know that you're excited at least for that. Yeah, like be, as a fan, it's it's a bragging point, right? Like Huge. I'm in the top 10 and Texas isn't, uh, you know, the the people that I work with that went to Texas. Funny, funny story. Just quick thing. Uh, I had a work event on Friday and the place we were at was playing the Texas Kansas game from last year. And they accused me oh. of having that put on. Um, but it was oh, it's beautiful. But it's nice being top 10. But I don't disagree with you. I One of the things that I also worry about is the expectations that we set for ourselves internally. As you become more and more successful, that becomes your 
you know, bar of success. I think an eight win season is a great season. I worry that if we lost four games this year because we started out in the top 10, we're going to see fans sour on this team for some reason when we can accept that eight and four is great if that turned out to be what our record was. Um, so, yeah, I I like coming from behind better than I like being a front runner, but you know, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, my main thing was we talked about it last week was, you know, in the coaches poll, the, the BYU wasn't in the top 25. They were receiving votes. I think they're somewhere around 27 in the AP poll, which is what everyone's going to use as far as like matchups early on in the season. They are in the top 25. Presumably they're going to, I think they have, I forget who they have starting off, but it's, it's a cupcake type of game. So you presumably it sets up well for Baylor in week two to have a top 25 matchup with BYU. Cause we'll get into Baylor's schedule later, but, I don't foresee any huge upsets between those two teams and their opponents. So it does set that up to have a, a, a premier matchup, a top 25 matchup, you know, in week two of the season. Just so you know, Matt, uh, BYU starts the season off against Gary Bohannon in South Florida. Mm. I stick by what I said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. I it, like, we talked a little bit about this last week, Matt, that preseason rankings are stupid. Um, yeah, for sure, because they're gonna it's gonna be so different. And it's the same thing as the coaches poll. You know, Drake, we're gonna sit here and half the top ten is not even gonna be in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I had a conversation this week with John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated. A great content he's put out about Baylor in the last couple of weeks. Paul Feinbaum comes out on his show and goes, The AP poll is the stupidest thing that's ever existed. Paul, it's all you've been talking about for the past four days. So it may be the stupidest thing ever, but boy, does it give us all something to talk about. The talking Absolutely. heads, and that's really what it's built for. It's for fans to be excited, the talking heads to get to talk more about it, whether you got snub or you're ranked high. But for the players, it, for Dave Aranda, doesn't matter. I wrote a piece this week. Dave Aranda, Baylor football, they didn't release a thing. Nothing on social media that said top 10. Nothing preseason this, preseason that. Oklahoma, first thing on their Twitter. We're number nine on the AP poll. Job not finished, whatever, whatever, but they still posted it. Baylor said, oh, I don't care. We're just going to go win football games. And that's the mentality you have to have to stay as a team that's a newcomer in college football and still needs to build that base. You just can't pay too much attention to that. It can't mean anything to you. I don't know if you guys caught this, and I can't remember if it was this week or the week before, but on three, the the recruiting and college football evaluation. J.D. They they put out their rankings for defensive and offensive lines, and Baylor yeah. was ranked in the top three in both. Yeah. Eric Mateos, our offensive line coach, quote yeah. tweeted the offensive line ranking and just said, "Poison, poison." Mm. That's huge. That how many teams out there? You look at Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, who lost the Sugar Bowl last season. By the way, every time Big Game Boomer posts something, shout out to that guy who I, I really like, genuinely enjoy. He's a PR genius. But Lane Kiffin retweets it and is like, oh, look at us, you know, top five on a random college football fans, top 50 rankings of best hot dogs inside of a football stadium. Dave Aranda, the president tomorrow could call him like, Mr. Aranda, you're my preseason national champion. I think Dave probably hangs up the phone. He couldn't give two craps and it's not even somehow beautifully. It's why this team's so good. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw there was an article that dropped on ESPN today, speaking great of Miranda, yeah. where great article where I was just like, you've got Dylan Doyle in there quoting Plato's Republic. You've got Dennis Johnson, the defensive line coach, talking about how he and Aranda 
had a conversation breaking down the the philosophical meanings behind the Christopher Nolan Batman series. Yeah, and that's on this podcast. It's like right up our alley where we spend the majority <laughs> of our time talking about Star Wars, and then a little bit of time talking about Baylor sports. Oh, that's good. Uh, I I just yeah, that in total to me says way more than the top twenty five. Maybe maybe there are Baylor fans that think differently because it is so monumental over the course of history in BU football. But it means way more to me that Dave Aranda and Dylan Doyle are quoting Socrates than it does that Baylor's top ten in the preseason poll. You you get top ten everywhere in America at some point in a fifty year span, unless you're at Kansas. Oh, oh seven. See everywhere in America, but at Baylor it means more to me that you're quoting Plato or Socrates or whoever. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now, besides the, uh, you know, humanities and the uh, philosophy studies that are going on behind the scenes this fall, Matt, do we have any news that you've had popping up that you're interested out of camp as we get closer and closer to the first game of the year? I mean, for me, like fall camp, I think it wrapped on Friday as far as like the official like fall camp practices, kind of moving into like their normal schedule, school starting as Drake will attest, school is starting at Baylor. Yeah. And so they're going into, I think, um, Aranda talked to the meeting. He talked about, you know, they're kind of going into like academic mode, school starting. So it's going to kind of change the, the whole schedule of the football team. But as far as fall camp goes, I think the biggest thing for me was really the, the, really the wide receivers, because I think we pre kind of know what Blake shaping is for the most part. You know, that was a big question mark, but as far as like, he named him, how's he going to look? Uh, was this the right decision? All those like questions that people had, but I think through everything you've heard or seen in, in clips, it looks like, you know, what we all expected it to look like the wide receiver room was the biggest question mark because mm-hmm. they're all young guys. There's no one who's really, I mean, I guess you could say um, Gavin Holmes hasn't played a lot. He's been here a long time, hasn't played a lot. And you could kind of say the same thing for the wide receiver group as well. But if you have squirrel there, who's, been here a long time hasn't played a lot but has a lot of uh time at Baylor and I think they've kind of really solidified or at least the wide receiver I mean running back room as far as you kind of know what your 1a and 1b is going into the season wide receivers are still kind of uh up in the air as far as who's going to step up and be your one two three guys yeah Drake what about you anything that you've heard about over the last couple of weeks that's really popping out or are you just really excited to see what the team looks like week one yeah the one thing I I would have said no a couple days ago but I started listening to these player interviews I'm not the biggest press conference guy in that I I can't I struggle to go back and listen to these clips all the way through just because it's the same old same old are you excited for the season yes and then they keep asking questions like that but I was it stopped me when Gabe Hall, who's not getting a lot of publicity in comparison to Jackson player and Siaki Ika, which makes sense to me. Gabe Hall, the athletic, they come out and name him the biggest freak on Baylor's yeah. roster. He is, in my mind, the third best defensive player on Baylor's team, if that, and it's just because of how good Jackson player Siaki Ika are. He comes into the press conference after receiving that award, and somebody asks him a question about it. And what he says, he says, this year's defense is different. The second I heard that, I was like, that's weird. It doesn't need to be. Last year was so good. You don't usually expect guys to say this year's different, but he goes on to explain that this team's chemistry, he said, is so much better than last year's. That blows my mind. This guy is talking about how much tighter knit the defense is this off season. They were last year with Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie. No knock to those guys, but the fact that this group has been able to build not just what they had last season, but something more 
that's not fathomable. I don't have the capacity to do much in my brain as it is. So that goes way above me. I, I was shocked by that. And, and again, that is, that, that's the stuff that gets me most excited for this football season. Yeah. I think maybe what you can see there is when you have Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie on the field, you, you've got a fallback plan. Yeah. You know, you, you know, if you fail, one of those guys is going to be near the football. It's just, just what they're wired to do. And when you remove that from the equation, that might bring this group tighter together where you say like, Hey, we had some dogs last year that, that protected us. Now our big guys are up in the trenches. The ball's going to go behind them. We got to be, we got to be ready. You know, Gabe Hall, especially like I got to be rushing the passer. You know, if they're, if these guys are getting double teams in the middle then I got to be beating my guy to go sack the quarterback. Yeah. Um, I, I think I agree with you, Matt. One of the biggest things that I saw uh, just watching those same player interviews was listening to Duranda talk about Dallas Baker and the wide receiver room yeah. and how he, he referred to everyone in that receiver room knows they're loved, which I, we talk about how Aranda is so different. Like I have never heard a football coach, not a college football coach, a high school, a peewee NFL talk about, I think, you know, the, the most important thing is that he knows bringing Dallas Baker in to be the wide receivers coach that all the receivers know that they're loved. And then he brought up that I, I think it was uh, Hal Presley set a personal record for his GPA in the spring. And then once that happened, Aranda noticed that he took his game a step further and brought up how he's noticed throughout his career that when you see a kid put it together on the academic side, that's when you start to see them also start putting it together on the athletic side. And I'm just, this is a, this is a wide receiver room. That's basically brand new. These guys have been around, but they haven't played a whole bunch. Reporters yeah. are asking you questions to, I assume make fans feel the warm and fuzzies about how good they're going to be. And Aranda comes into it talking about how they're loved and they're doing really well in school. And I don't know why it just made me completely relax because that tells me that the head coach isn't worried about what they're going to do on the field. <laughs> what yeah. he's worried about is what they're doing in the classroom and how they're feeling in their lives. It's the person over player thing because he doesn't have to worry about what they're doing on the field because they're going to be dogs. They're going to be beasts. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I'm just blown away by a lot of the stuff that we've seen from Miranda the last few days. If Mike Gundy steps the podium and says, look, Plato once said, and then just goes <laughs> on a spiel. I think the world implodes. And then he ends it with our guys are loved walks off. That's it. That's how Gundy retires. Cause that would be, it's the day that he's had just some kind of weird awakening in a dream. Uh, it's, it's not normal. It is so abnormal. What David Rand has put together and it's tough to understand. Think about this. So Matt, you get to be around it. Uh, Joe, you get to be around it. People that aren't Baylor fans that just hear this out of Dave Aranda. Do you think they fully grasp how special Dave Aranda and this program are like, like Matt, do you think the average Texas A&M fan gets what's happening at Baylor right now? No, cause just cause I don't think they put a lot of stock into it and aren't, they just don't, you know, cause if you take it out of context, out of the being involved in immersed in the whole like Baylor Twitter of it all, or, you know, reading the quotes or watching the, you know, clips, like you said, you can really just, it feels like, yeah, right. You know, I, I could see like a lot of cynical college football fans who are used to the normal coach speak saying that's just coach speak. Yeah. So I don't really think your average fan, if you haven't been around Dave Aranda or really sat down and listened to him talk or give an interview, you're not going to get it. Cause you're, if you're just reading words, 
it's just going to fall like that's just coach speak. Like if you hear that person over player to us is like, yeah, like, he believes that. Yeah. And I think the majority of the big 12 is more acutely aware, aware of it today than they were at this time last year. Um, because I have heard Texas tech, Iowa state, Oklahoma state yeah. fans compare him to like Phil Jackson, for example, just the Zen master kind of style. We've seen the pictures passed around Twitter of him getting the Gatorade bath and just having the blank stoic face. I don't think it's there, Drake fully where everybody appreciate it, appreciates it, but I think it's getting closer and closer. And the more that he wins and the more that Baylor stays in the national spotlight and he's this unique character. Because let's be honest, the media kind of sees him that way. He's different. He's something you can write about. So they're going to go after him as long as he stays relevant. I think more and more people are going to realize that, A, it's not Coach Speak. It's who, he's really, who he really is. And B, doing it different might actually really work, especially at a place like Baylor. Yeah, for sure. Pause it right there for one second before we get into a game-by-game breakdown of the Baylor football schedule in 2022. I've got to tell you about one of our newest sponsors at Locked On Baylor, NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends, putting a few back, and a few becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but uh, you can make it home. You're going to drive. And what are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst that could happen? Maybe your insurance goes up or you lose your license could lose your job, you could total your car, or even someone could lose their life. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk, and the results are often deadly and tragic. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Take it back away, guys. So on Baylor. We've talked about we've talked about fall. We've talked about Aranda, the things. Let's let's get into the meat of it. Okay. We have we have looked at every team in the Big 12 this summer, looking at their schedule, talking about how we think we're gonna do. All of that gets thrown out of the all of that gets thrown out of the window right now. We're we're gonna look at Baylor's schedule. We're gonna talk about what we think they're going to be, how they're gonna land. We've got Drake here specifically for this because he's he's Baylor expert extraordinaire. Matt, as we've done with the others, give me what Las Vegas thinks Baylor will do this year. So I've heard a lot of people talk about it. They've thrown out seven and a half was the, I think I want to say I saw it at eight, but I'm checking right now what the current. So yeah, seven and a half is the current, according to Vegas Insider, is updated today. So, So we're going by seven and a half is the Vegas. Uh, win totals for Baylor 7.5 games that's Drake you've got you've got your life savings and you're you're sitting at a sports book in Vegas who who, are you taking the over or the under on seven and a half on this Baylor team not a ceiling or a floor yeah but do you think Baylor gets more or less than seven and a half uh, well, it depends on how many Dr. Peppers I have in my body at this point when they have the gun to my head, making me bet my life savings. But I, I, you have to go over, even from a, an objective standpoint, you listen to guys like Josh Pate in the national media that just understand, even with this schedule, Baylor's got to win eight games. You've, you've got to win eight games. There's not a realm unless there's just a, a fallout of injuries or Baylor doesn't win eight. 
if the if it's at eight, I, I may I may think, okay, yeah, it's probably a push and lay off. But this at seven and a half, it feels too easy to me. And you'll see the odds on it too. I think the odds right now, seven and a half are at minus one fifty. So Vegas is still giving a nod to Baylor, whereas you go and see like an Iowa State at six at minus one ten. So that seven and a half, Vegas is not completely confident in that. And I think you may see it even move to eight if it shifts at all over the course of the next 10 days going into the football season. So when I see that number, I think it's an easy over for me. But again, that's me trying to remove my bias. But if there's injuries, the away schedule, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if Baylor lands at seven and five after a couple of devastating injuries. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I uh, I agree. I'm going with the uh, the over as well. I think, like, to me, like eight and four is the the, the floor. So I think it's an easy over. Because in my most pessimistic, I think it's eight and four. Yeah. So that would that would lead me to believe that if you're telling me seven and a half, well then all day I'm putting money on the over. See, my floor is lower. I, 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 when I talked to Drake last week on the locked on pod, I, I said, my floor for this team is six and six. And I, and I can look at the schedule and I can find with injuries and other stuff going wrong and the, and the away slate that we have, I could, I could buy into six losses, but like we've done with every other team, I'm not worried about like what I could logically see the worst thing happen to them. What do I think is going to happen to them? Can I find enough wins to win the bet in the schedule? And I can't, I can look at this and there are eight games that I see that I'm like, I would not, I, I, I would more than happily bet for Baylor to win the money line on these games eight times. I'm not worried. So that's an eight and four team. Boom. There you go. And I'm taking the over on it. Yeah. I've have real money on the over at eight <laughs> Caesar Sportsbook. So I got real, real well, you live, you live in a state where that's I still, legal. yeah, I still, it's, it's legal where i'm at so hey it's uh, legal for my bookie in puerto rico all you gotta do is find <laughs> that middleman all you gotta do i'm not gonna lie it gambling being illegal in texas is probably good like it's probably a very good thing for me i don't i don't ever I, i've never been tempted i don't have to worry about it, it never comes up and it's great for oklahoma that it's great for the border because those <laughs> folks not saying there's any specific fraternities that like to go to the casinos but <laughs> I, I may have made a trip up to uh, Windstar uh, a uh, time or two during my during my years in Waco. It was your it's that jo- I see. I didn't know it was that Joe Goodman that had signed it, had signed the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, when when you lose as much as I did, they put you a little star out there. Yeah, they want you to come back. Um, all right. Well, real quick, let's run through this schedule. Let's find let's find these okay. eight wins and let, okay. let's see if we, if we can agree on that week one. Albany, Great Danes coming to Waco. Do we all see this as a win? Oh yeah, they're they're not a good FCS team. Yeah, uh, definitely a win. But also, shout out to Greg Atuso, head coach of the Albany Great Danes. Great man, still going to lose. Yeah, I'm. It's just you know, I'm glad they're coming down. I hope they get to visit Magnolia. Maybe go to the Dr Pepper Museum. You know, get to taste drink some of the lots old. of water, fellas. Yeah. Please. Yeah, it's There's gonna be, it's gonna cool, be hot. It's, cool uh, hotels, not used to great it. places to eat. Get some barbecue while you're down here. Yeah. Sorry, Albany. It's gonna be a long flight. Yeah. Now cash cash talk, that check. Yeah. Talking about long flights, Baylor turns around the next week, takes off, goes to Provo. Drake, what do you think happens in this one? 
I have gone back and forth. This was actually a lock loss for me for a long time, just because it's such a tough road game. And I just don't see Baylor being that good on the road. But the last time Baylor played in Provo, you know who BYU's quarterback was? Not Joe Montana, but close. That's your hint. What, Ty Detmer? Ty Detmer. No, no, no. Right before him. This guy played for the 49ers. Steve Young? It was Steve Young. Oh, yeah, there we go. Steve Young, Baylor in Provo, 1983, the year before BYU goes in an insane run. Baylor wins in Provo. If history repeats itself, there's literally one game to base it off of, then Baylor wins the game. I, I see Baylor winning now because of the defensive and offensive lines. That is a class that BYU is not ready for. They are just not ready for that. They could win the game if the lines were comparable because I think the skill positions really are. I see Baylor and wide receivers and BYU as being pretty pretty similar, but up front it's gonna be it's gonna be domination. So Baylor sneaks by BYU like 31-24 in Provo. I'm gonna give Baylor the nod here and, and give him a win. I agree with you. I think it's the the two lines and the big thing that I think you see a lot of the time with FBS versus those just right under, or sorry, power five versus the, those just right under power five conference teams is depth. And in a place like Provo high altitude early in the season, going to test your conditioning, having the depth that we have compared to the depth that BYU has, I think is going to be really, really a big deal as we rotate guys in and out. I think it'll be a four quarter game, but Baylor takes it in the end. Matt, what about you? All I heard Drake say was Baylor's undefeated in Provo Baylor all the way. That was it. All right. All right, so we take we we get that victory in the beautiful mountain mountain stadium in Provo. We come back home and we face the Texas State Bobcats. Matt, what do you think happens in this one? Uh, I definitely think uh, we're gonna have better videography for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think um, we should. Yeah, they've so, actually asked me. One. They've asked me to record it on my iPhone, and I still think it's going to be better. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing. Take, are you going to Are you going to use that microphone as well? Because that would be better too. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing the broadcast. Thank you to everyone that to get me to this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, last year's game was filmed on a camcorder from 1989. I think it was a game from 1989 as well. <laughs> um, no, I think this is. A, they're not a good team. So it, forget, I mean, whatever ha- you saw happen last year, uh, Texas State isn't a good team, and it's going to be a big Baylor win, not even close. Drake. So I'm going to go, not the opposite exactly, Baylor's going to win this game, but they're going to be up by 7 or 10 at halftime. You're going to have gone to Provo the week before, be riding that high after the big game you needed to get past, go to a Texas State team you struggled against a lot last season, start slow, win by three scores at the least in the end. I, Drake, you stole my thunder a little bit there because I was going to say very something similar. They're going to come back from Provo. That's a high emotional game on the road. You come back home, and I think another factor in this one is it's an 11 a.m. kick. On September 17th, it's going to be 120 degrees on the kickoff on that. And it's just going to get hotter and hotter throughout the first half. I think, I think both teams, it's going to be a slog of a game. You're going to see a few turnovers. You might see a bunch of cramping, some pulled hamstrings here and there. This is one of those games where you want to make sure you kind of get out healthy. But again, depth is going to be a huge factor in this game. As we get into the third and fourth, I think, I think you're right, Drake. It'll be a seven, 10 point halftime game. Baylor ends up winning by 21 to 28 at the end. All right, then, man, it doesn't get any easier. That's the thing when you look at the schedule. You get back on a plane, and luckily, you play this game in September and not in November. Fly to Ames, Iowa, 
and you're going to be facing a fired up Iowa State team who may or may not be coming off of a major rivalry win for the first time in I don't know how long. But tough game. We haven't played well in Ames the last couple of times we went up there. Drake, what do you see happen in this one? It's a win. Iowa State just doesn't, they don't have it this next season. It's in, it's in Ames, but the crowd only goes so far in this game and Iowa State's just not very good at football. I think they finished probably seventh in the big 12. So give me Baylor all the way. I agree with you. I think, I think we're going to see Baylor go up there. It's a transition year for Iowa State. I think they're going to be not bad, but I think Iowa State's probably a six or seven win team. Um, I think there will be a little bit of a factor there in Ames, but we'll be able to overcome that. Um, again, transition year, you're replacing Brees Hall. You're replacing Brock Purdy. You're replacing Charlie Kolar. They will have one of the most formidable players on the defensive side of the ball in Will McDonald, but one defensive end does not a win make. So Baylor wins this football game. Was that also Matt? Socrates? No, 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 no Socrates. I agree with y'all. I think, um, Iowa State is just – it's in a transitional year, and it's just not going to be, you know, what we've seen in the past couple of years. Um, so, I think it's a Baylor win. Baylor win? All right. So, we've all – we have all a third of the way through the regular season. We have an undefeated 4-0 Baylor team, probably at this point top seven, if not top five at that point. So, last week before we hit our bye, our nemesis from last season – Quite possibly our nemesis moving forward in the new era of the Big 12. This might be the team that we're fighting back and forth with to be the controller and the future kind of what Oklahoma has been over the last decade. I think we might be fighting this team over the next decade for control of the conference. The Oklahoma State Cowboys come to McLean Stadium. I told Drake earlier this week or, or last week, I'm not as worried about this game because Spencer Sanders becomes the worst quarterback in the world when he plays Baylor. I think we understand how to beat them. It's at home. And I just, I think we're going to beat Oklahoma state. There's familiarity there. And I think Aranda knows what he's doing. We're going to be five and zero. Matt, what do you think? I agree. I think uh, as good as I think Oklahoma state's going to be this year, their, their losses in the defense are probably going to play right into what Baylor wants to do this year offensively so i am also i think oklahoma state tends to struggle in mclean of recent history so i think that plays into baylor's hands as well so i'm going to go with another baylor win uh, against the cowboys spencer sanders has the game of his life against baylor and only throws two picks with one fumble and oklahoma state loses yeah <laughs> i absolutely love it all right after oklahoma state though Maybe the toughest game on the schedule, the fight and buys of off week. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to call Gotta it win off week. Gotta win I, off week. BYE, baby. I think we have a, man, you have your, you have your bye week after week five, after you've already knocked out two tough road games. And it's right before a road game. I think this is one of the best spots you can have your bye week. I mean, people talk about the schedule a lot and about the road games, of course, but like, piggybacking on what you're saying you get albany road game tough road game then you get home game against texas state tough road game then another and then another home game i think it sets up even with the the tough road schedule i think the way they're breaking it up it's not like i've looked at other schedules and it's like tough game tough game tough game before you know you get to your bye and you're kind of breaking that up with 
your non-con in the, the first five weeks. Okay. Now, I may rebut on that a little bit as we get further. But after the yeah. bye week, we hop back on a plane and we fly to a place which is very scary for Baylor fans. Drake, you alluded to it earlier, facing off on the road in Morgantown against West Virginia. What do you think happens here? It's a loss. Here's why it's a loss. Thursday game, I think, almost helps Baylor. Kind of gets you out of that weird, funky, you know, playing West Virginia on a Saturday. Also, Thursday after a bye is just strange in general. So you you get it's it's weird. It's never fun. Most guys don't like playing on Thursdays. This game is a loss because it's inevitable. Remember Kansas State, Colin, they're number one. Colin Klein and Baylor comes out of nowhere, just rips them to shreds. You remember that game? I do. It's like every every good team has that random game where they just crap the bed. And you're like, what are you doing? And you you just you're banging your head against a wall. Same when Baylor was ranked, TCU wasn't, and the Horn Frogs just made you remember that game? What year was that? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Baylor's ranked, TCU's not, the Horn Frogs. I, I don't, I don't remember that ever happening. Yeah, exactly. That's going to happen. And it's got to be one of the games. I think it's in Morgantown and you kick yourself again saying the Bears have not won in West Virginia. Okay. Matt, what about you? He's deep in thought or yeah. he's frozen. A lot I of think- ponderance going on here. Whoa, we lost him. So Joe, oh, he's full gone. Drake, is- you are officially the host of the podcast now. According oh, geez. To- well, then I'm going to pitch it right to you, Joe. To, uh, I, I, what do you say to the Bears winning Morgantown? So, you know what? There's, there's a theme here that I alluded to at the top of this prediction piece, which was throw everything else I've said out the window because we're talking about Baylor. Yeah. We're winning this game. All right. And that's there, that's a continued theme that you're going to see here, Drake. If you remember my ceiling, um, we're going to go into Morgantown. It's a Thursday night. Neil Brown is a terrible coach. Yeah. JT Daniels couldn't win a job at USC. He couldn't win a job at Georgia. Um, he's not going to be a quarterback that can beat a Baylor defense. There's not going to be anybody there because it's a Thursday. Uh, I think half of Morgantown is going to forget that the game is happening. We're coming off of a bye. We're going to have plenty of time to prepare and we're going to win this football game. Okay. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody's cool with that. So then Drake, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep moving. Matt will, Matt will get back to us. Um, what do you, oh, and he's here. He's here. Uh, it's either Matt or it is a, a tie fighter. One of the two, um, uh, because that's what we're seeing on screen. Matt, can you hear us? I'm at a yeah, tie fighter in the bar. I, uh, Zoom purpose. crashed right in the middle of it. So <laughs> I love that middle, middle, uh, middle of the podcast bared in technical difficulties. You won't find that anywhere else folks, Matt. Okay. Drake has predicted a West Virginia loss. I have predicted a, or sorry, a Baylor loss at West Virginia. I have predicted okay. a Baylor win. What is your choice? Uh, I think finally uh, Baylor gets the uh, W in uh, West Virginia. And mostly I think is West Virginia is going to be like two and three. I think they're going to be a little bit off kilter. Off kilter West Virginia. And yeah, I think there might be some angry couch burning by the end of the year instead of the the happy couch burning, which you never want to see. Now, did you say happy coach burning? Oh, (laughs) Neil Brown better run. Um, Yeah, moon, moonshine is highly flammable. Yeah. Um, then we get to come back home as Matt, as you mentioned, we kind of get these reprieves after these road games. We come back home um, where season ticket holders for Baylor football are going to be the most excited and ready to use their tickets as the Kansas Jayhawks come to McLean Stadium 
Does the mighty Jayhawks strike fear in your heart, Drake Toll? Uh, they do in the third quarter when they're up by seven. You think, oh my gosh, we just lost to West Virginia. Are they going to do it again against Kansas? The Kansas did that an odd amount of times last season where they either won a game. They were up on OU by like 10 in the third quarter. Uh, it's going to happen again, inevitably, because I don't think they're as bad as they have been. Baylor wins the game by 10 or 14. You escape and you think, is this Baylor team okay after a loss and a weird struggle bus win going into the next week against Texas Tech? Okay, so you've got a 6-1. and one. Baylor's bowl eligible for you now. Matt, Baylor's 6-0 and oh for you. Are we talking about are we talking about Texas fans pulling out receipts on us? No, this is a easy Baylor win. I, I think, I think Baylor wins this football game, but I think this might be our lethargic game. I think this might be our, the game that we watch. We're like, what in the world are we doing? But we have like a punt return for a touchdown. The defense shows up, doesn't allow them to score at all in the second half. Maybe he scores a touchdown. And then we hold on and we end up winning it by 17. But as fans, we're kind of like, what in the world was that game? Uh, but I'm not worried about losing Kansas. I think they might be a little bit better in a couple of years, but they're still going to be Kansas. Uh, this is a two win team, maybe three max to me. So um, not worried about Kansas. Now, the next game, though, may strike some fear in the hearts of all three of us as Halloween weekend, October 29th, Saturday. I'm guessing this is going to be a night game. I don't know why. I just have a feeling they're going to do this to us. We're going to go to Lubbock face off against Joey McGuire and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Matt, are you afraid whatsoever of our old assistant head coach knowing what's going on and, and being able to pull one over on us? Um, no. I think this is a Baylor win. It's a hard place to play. Uh, playing especially if it is at night i mean but i think things are going to be a little bit rocky in lubbock this year more so than the majority of red raider fans think and so i think as much as i love joey and i think he is going to probably get things going in the right direction there i think they're going to be uh they're not going to be as formidable as maybe they will be in the future drake what about you Remember the West Virginia game where they the Mountaineers came to Waco last season? It just wasn't ever close. Baylor was up early, up late. They dominated. Same thing in Lubbock this year. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think, I think Joey gets the ball rolling there, but it's going to be a tough year. They are not going to be a good football team. I think they're going to get punched in the mouth a lot early, and – it's going to be just kind of a struggle to keep going throughout the year and having those fans be excited. If this game was early. Like if it was the opening of conference play, I might have a little different feeling about it, but this is later in the season. It's going to be a later home game. I think tech's going to have multiple losses by this point. I think we might see a little bit more of a lethargic fan base. Um, and again, I just, I don't think tech is going to be good enough to beat us yet. I'm not worried about it at all. Now, we all agree there. We've we've all either got Baylor at eight and zero or seven and one at this point. So we're 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 almost there, Vegas. We all yeah. of us are pretty much there. Uh, Matt and I are, Matt and I have already won our bet. Drake, yeah. you're one win away. But this is where Matt, your your caveat about how the schedule kind of gets a little is easy the way it's set up. This is where it's not. We go to Lubbock, then we don't come back home. 
we go to Norman, Oklahoma, where we won what once ever in what 2014? By a lot. We go, we go to Oklahoma. Yeah. Drake, I have to know, are you going to win your bet this weekend? That's it. It's over. I hit it. The over is done. Baylor goes to Oklahoma. They win the game pretty, I don't want to say handedly. Brent Venables has bitten off a lot more than I think he can chew already. There are a lot of people who take jobs like these. Chad Morris asked. I don't think he's going to be as bad as Chad Morris, but they bite this off. They act really confident and cocky on the front end, and then it punches you in the mouth immediately, Tom Herman style. And next thing you know, you're headbutting your players trying to get them fired up, and you still lose. I think at this point in the juncture for Oklahoma, they're trying to reset some things because the season's not going undefeated like they want it to and Baylor wins by 10. Oh my God. If I had never thought of that, that Brett Venables could be Oklahoma's Tom Herman. It, Cause it, it just makes too much sense. Oh yeah. I was looking at it more of like, it's going to be like in a, a random year, first time head coach, former defensive coordinator. If he's their Tom Herman. Oh, and yeah. that starts their entrance. Oh, and they have to go through that. They, he's their Mike Sherman. Yeah. Before, Just remember how cocky Tom Herman was day one. Yeah. It's like we're Texas, Bad. going in, uh, falling down in the locker room trying to use a, a sledgehammer. Oh my gosh, that yeah. would be beautiful. That would, would be. be beautiful. It I'm makes worried. sense. It makes sense just because you, it's similar. So like Herman was a former staffer at Texas. That was like kind of like his dream job. He yeah. comes back there, kind of the same thing. I mean, I know Venables was spent more time in Norman, but. It had, you know, was a defensive coordinator there for uh, quite a while. But I just think too many new faces on the personnel side, plus new coaches. It's just, it's one of those first year head coach, never been a head coach type of things where I think he's going to get some OJT and it's just going to take a little bit of time to get his uh, feet under him. And it's just going to be a little bit, like I said, eight and four whenever we did the, the OU preview. And then, Directly after that, you know, the wide receiver coach gets resigned. Yeah. Um, so resigned. <laughs> uh, I think it's that things are not as calm as you would love to believe or you were led to believe uh, inside that locker room. So you do you have a Baylor victory then? Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. I I'm so you're you're nine and zero, oh. Matt. I'm joining the nine win club with you right now. I think I think this is going to be 2014-esque where we go in there and we're just better. We are just better at football than them. And you're I just I want a recreation of eight years ago. I want to see Oklahoma fans boo Oklahoma at Oklahoma. That would make me so happy. And I just don't trust Jeff Levy against a Dave Aranda me neither Roberts defense. I just don't. And I don't wish this upon the guy, but based on his history. It's a game. We're talking eight, nine weeks into the season now. Is Dylan Gabriel still the starting quarterback? Is he still healthy? Has he been able to survive the full season and make it there? He has a he has an injury history. He's a transfer. Is he is he still the starting quarterback at Oklahoma during that week? That's I think that's yeah. a fair question to ask. So all right, nine two nine and O's, one eight and one. Finally, we get to take a breath after back to back road games. We come home and we face against. One of the big 12 darlings, the dark horse of the year that I think a lot of people are picking. They love with their first year play caller and Colin Klein, their transfer quarterback from Nebraska and Adrian Martinez, the Kansas state Wildcats come to McLean stadium. Drake, 
Tell me what happens in this game. November 12th is is nuts. Baylor and Kansas State play a night game, and that morning you see the top 10s pretty gutted, and you think, all right, this is Baylor's opportunity after the loss to West Virginia to move from the 9 or the 8 spot into a possible college football playoff position. Kansas State comes in in the top 20 as well. I think they have a really good NFL-ready team. A lot of guys, they got a lot of size. And Kansas State wins in Waco. Another game where you say, how? Why? It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Kleiman comes out there, pulls off a great year at K-State. I think they go nine and three, but one of those wins is in Waco because again, we, we can't have nice things. So it has to go wrong somewhere. And this is that game where Baylor falls in the trap of it being November 12th. There's always that one weekend where everybody loses. Baylor falls into that against Kansas State in a home game and Baylor fans think it's the end of the world and are buying tickets to the Alamo Bowl at eight and two. Little do they know, Spoiler alert, they finish at 10 and two even still. But I think, again, can't have nice things. They lose this one. All right. I'm going to say I agree with you. I think that on some of the points, this is going to be a night game. I think more than that, I think it's going to be a wet game. I think because for whatever reason, it likes to rain when Kansas State comes to town, I feel like. Yeah, it's going to be a night game. It's going to be wet. This is possibly, depending on what Kansas State does, this could be a game day game or it could be a Fox, Fox Big Saturday kind of game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they come in. I think Deuce Vaughn runs for like 200 something yards on us, but I don't think they can pass the ball worth a lick. I think Adrian Martinez has a bad day. I think our offense maybe throws a few picks too. We fumble it a little bit here and there because it's wet. It's one of those wacky games. Baylor holds on. We get it with a winning field goal at the end of it. Baylor wins by three. So we are now talking about a 10 and 0 Baylor team. Matt, do you agree with Drake? Do you agree with me? Kansas State ain't about that life. <laughs> this is a Baylor win. Baylor doesn't lose to Kansas teams since yeah, 2017. Yeah, it's true. Even in Aranda's, even in Aranda's bad yep. year. That's true. So, at home, while I, I think Kansas State's going to be much improved and be a contender for one of those spots in the championship game, and I, I do love what Kleiman is doing there, Deuce Vaughn can't say enough about that kid. Uh, I just don't think they win this game. So Baylor dub. There we go. All right. Then for the only time during the year, we have a back-to-back weekends where we have games in Waco back-to-back home games. Only time during the season. We come off of the Kansas state game, TCU, the revenge game first year under Sonny Dykes. Comes to McLean Stadium. Matt, are we 11 and 0? Yes. That's all I needed yeah. to hear. Drake, you told, I, you kind of, you spoiled it a little bit, but tell, tell me what happens against TCU. Do we win this football game or is it, is it the ghost of Chandler Morris come back to haunt us? This is an 11 a.m. game. It's not warm. It's the, there's always one 11 a.m. game that feels like it's 7 a.m. when you get to the stadium and you think, I just want to sleep. It is is so much football. Get a TCU. They've had an awful season to that point. They get run out of Waco. It's not close. Baylor's upset after a loss to Kansas State on my book, and they win this one like 42 to 14. Yeah, this is a this is a prove a point game for Eric Mateos and for Jeff Grimes because I I think they're gonna go out there 
And we are going to run the ball down TCU's throat. TCU is trying to change their identity from a defensive head coach to an offensive one. I predict that TCU is going to have a horrendous defense this year as Sonny Dykes tries to install his offense, focuses more on that than they do on the defense. They let things go on that side of the ball. And I think we absolutely destroy TCU. Agree with you. I think this is going to be an 11 a.m. game. This might be like an an ESPN plus like we get kind of screwed there or something like that. And it's going to be freezing. It's going to be a hot cocoa game at the tailgates. Um, maybe put a little, uh, it feels like an FS one game, like deep in my bones. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 This could be, I, I think I, I, I kind of agree with that. This is a, this is a Bailey's in the hot cocoa in the morning game. Yeah. Um, I will have been up since like, like no one's going to be watching it, but Baylor and TCU fans, like no one's yeah. going to see this game. Yeah. That's it. Just us, just our little group. Baylor's 11 and 0 though. So we've, we've all got this as a win. Finally, we close out the season. Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Maybe the last time we ever play in the stadium. Who knows? We head to Austin, Texas to play at Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. And, I mean, who knows how good Texas is going to be this year? We've all seen this week. I think on Friday, we all probably got our laughs in as multiple of quote-unquote Texas insiders had been reporting that that Hudson Card had won the job. And then we get this story that comes out that says, actually, no, it's Quinn Ewers. And it was the SID who got some message and told the Austin American statement and some at some interview with three other players. I don't know what's going on at that yeah, program. Like Texas went full Texas in their quarterback battle. And it was, you know, right. predictable. Either, but yes, the story basically right now with the University of Texas is either Steve Starkeesian has the tightest lipped uh, staff that has ever existed and they don't talk to anybody and somebody with bad information spoke to the Austin American statesman and orangebloods.com or a booster forced the hand of Steve Starkeesian to start um, Quinn Ewers. You, you choose, you choose. It has to be, in my opinion, it has to be, they want to go with Hudson Card. He was probably better in the fall. They can't. So because of that, Drake, I'm going to come to you first. I'm going to ask a two-part question. It's, does Baylor win this football game? How? What happens here? Does Baylor win? And who is the quarterback wearing a Longhorn helmet that starts the game against us? I, I am confident it's going to be Quinn Ewers at this point in the season. I get the popular answer for a lot of people outside of Texas that it won't be. He's not going to be a shining star. It may be a Spencer Sanders situation, but I also don't think Hudson Card is that good at football either. So I think they may even go back and forth between those guys, get to this game, and you say, who's the starter for Texas? And we don't know until that Monday where they say it's Quinn Ewers. So I'm going to go with Ewers as the starter. I, I think Baylor comes into this game and goodbye to Texas University. They win this one by at least 10 points. Baylor, at this point, the juncture is number 13 ish in the country. They go 10 and 2. I strongly believe, I really, you know what? We'll get to Big, Ten, Big 12 championship talk because you guys have Baylor in there. I'll, I'll let you find out if I do or I don't. Okay. Matt, same to you. What does Baylor do in this game and who's the starting quarterback for Texas? Um, I think it's, I agree. I think it's Quinn Ewers. I think, you know, at this point, they, uh, they got to, uh, you know, dance with the boy who brought them, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's uh, Quinn Ewers. So, but I think I said last week that I thought Baylor wins this game. I'm going to stick with that when we did our Texas preview. And I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say Baylor's 12 and 0. Boom. I predicted in our Texas preview that Baylor would go to Austin and lose this game. 
right now I have Baylor at 11 and 0 heading into this one. And I'm sorry to both of you, but I, I wouldn't do this podcast if I wasn't true to the things that I say. I'm lying. Baylor's going to win this football game. I don't care what I said in the Texas so preview. This is the this is the bear den. I don't know what you expected. Baylor's going to go into there. We're going to win in Austin. It might be the last time we ever play there. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian's a good coach. To answer my own question, I agree with you guys. I think Quinn Ewers will be the starting quarterback in this game. I do think, I, I agree with you, Drake, uh, Drake. I think that we're going to see Hudson Card at some point this year. I think Ewers is going to go out there. I think he might underperform a little bit. Then they throw Card out there, and then from everything I've been told from people that I know that are close to the Texas program that follow it, Hudson card is a practice warrior. He looks great out there in practice. The guys love practicing with him. He gets into the game and he's not good. So I think what's going to happen is yours might start off slow. Um, I've heard that Sarkeesian's offense is pretty complex. Yours might've had an issue kind of picking that up. And that's why card had a hand up on him from all the stuff that we were hearing coming out of Austin. So I think we might see that early on, but then when card gets in there, it's not going to be any better. So you know what? You might as well get game reps for the young guy, but I don't think Texas yeah. is going to be that great this year. Baylor wins this football game. And for the first time in our history, we are 12 and Oh Drake. Yes. What would campus look like if Baylor came back from Austin 12 and Oh, there would be snow uh, that would all be melted away by fires. Lots and lots of fire everywhere um picture the fire and then like quadruple it because there'd be imagine so much the, of it. imagine the dr pepper that would be flowing oh imagine what would up. be in the dr pepper that's flowing bluebell ice cream yeah imagine <laughs> what would be in floats, that bluebell ice cream <laughs> chocolate chips it's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because everybody's a good good baptist student um as you said last week to me drake you gotta have faith um but no, I, I running through this, this is this this is a fun exercise because my ceiling for this team is a 12 and OT. I yeah. could see it happening. Yeah. You can convince me that this team could go undefeated and run the table. I don't to be honest with you, we've probably got a loss or two of them. It's it's gonna happen. Expect it's with it's the way college football works. You know, as Drake, as you said, we're not allowed to have nice things. Yeah. I mean, I'm most assuredly gonna be wrong because not you. Yeah, me. Um, but like uh, Dave Randall likes to say, you know, like like the Bernstein Bears, you know, old hat, new hat. You know, let's just put on that old hat and be Big 12 champs. Come on. Mm. I like the old So at 12 and 0, that guarantees us a spot in, in the Big 12 championship game in Dallas on December 3rd. The day after we play a, a big game against Gonzaga in basketball, by the way. Mm. Um, Drake, who do we play against and does Baylor win? I know what everyone's thinking. I am the Grinch. I have Baylor losing football games. Ah, Baylor still goes to the Big 12 championship because they've just lost two games in a year where they beat Oklahoma and Texas. That's how deep the Big 12 is. That's the amount of parity I think the league's going to see this year. They're going to get a, I think they get a nine and three Kansas State team. Just because, again, I do not believe Texas or Oklahoma are at the potential where they need to be. They do, They both have young head coaches, new head coaches, I should say. And so I don't foresee them being in this game. Who's next then? I don't think Oklahoma State's good enough to make it. Maybe they're even 10-2, and two, but a loss, two conference game losses compared to Kansas State, which I believe will only have uh, only two in conference play as well, puts KSU in the big game, Baylor in the big game. Those two square off. I think Baylor gets revenge on Kansas State in true Dave Aranda fashion, Arlington, and it's beautiful. 
Also, no one's at the game because Kansas State fans, I've never met one. Baylor fans are going to be half the stadium, and that's it. It's half full. Oh, I hope I, I hope that last part's not true. But last year's environment was a lot of fun, even though it was 70% Oklahoma State fans. But yes. Matt, what about you? You, 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 we've got, you've got Baylor in the big 12 title yeah. game. Who are they playing against? And what's the result? Um, I'm going to go back with Oklahoma state. I think it's Oklahoma state. I mean, I, you, I, as much as we, you know, bag on Spencer Sanders for how he plays in Baylor games outside of Baylor games, he was very efficient. Uh, now he is good for a, a blunder, at least one blunder every game. But I think that having that six-year quarterback experience, been in that system, you know, been under Gundy at least for his whole career there, it's uh, going to speak for something. So I think even with the early loss to Baylor down the stretch, I think they have enough good wins that um, they're going to go back to the championship game. I have been back and forth with both of your picks. It's in my mind at the end of the season, it's going to be two of the three. It's going to be Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Out of that group of three, that's where the two will be. I just predicted a 12 and 0 season for the Baylor Bears. So that's picked one of them. I'm going to side with Drake here. I think, I think losing Jim Knowles is going to be a major impact thing for Oklahoma State. I think that Kansas State, even though they have a first-time play caller in Colin Klein, he's going to do some interesting things. I think he knows exactly what needs to be done for a quarterback like Adrian Martinez, who is most efficient when his legs are involved before his arm. I think Deuce Vaughn is the most explosive player maybe in the country, not just in the conference. He's so dangerous. And Kleiman is going to have this defense firing on all cylinders. I think I agree with you guys. This is a 9-3 and three or 10 and two Kansas state game. that's going to come into this. I think it's going to be a close, tough battle. It's, it's going to be one of those games where Kansas state never quits because the game means something. You can't run away from them in this game, but at the end of the day, I'm going to say this, I'm going to use it for the third time. Baylor is going to have depth that Kansas state just does not have. They're going to be able to defend against injuries that are going to occur throughout the year. They're going to be able to defend against that tiredness that happens throughout the year through the rotations that we have, we've got great leadership on the defensive end and Siaki Ika, Dylan Doyle, Al Walcott, Snacks Johnson. I think by this time, the offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. They will have played 12 full games. Jeff Grimes has the offensive playbook completely opened up and Blake Shapin is tearing it out. Your Baylor Bears repeat as Big 12 champions are 13-0 and and for the first time make the college football playoff. There we go. And how, of course, I how how, how warm you. are the fuzzies I just gave all of you? Listen. You can't give me that hope. You cannot give you can't come <laughs> in here and give me that hope. It's my senior year. If that happens, I don't know what I'd do. I'd, I told you my I graduated. I walked across the stage in December of 2011, mere days after Baylor brought home a Heisman trophy. I believe football success happens in great Baylor Bears senior years. And you're the next one, Drake. I, I hope to bring that mojo to this team. I do have a special ah. message for, for Drake. I just got a, a text from a buddy, uh, Scott Spain-Smith. He yeah. is the general manager at uh, Heritage Creameries. He said, he'll have your shakes ready for you, Drake, anytime you want them. <laughs> That's glorious. If Baylor, <laughs> if Baylor goes 13-0, and he better. He really better. 
Matt, what happened in your senior year at Baylor in football? What, uh, year, did you, what year did you that graduate? That was uh, 2010. Are you graduated in 2010? Yes, because I took a sabbatical. So oh, that's right. Yeah, you, came, you left and came back. That's right. So 2010, uh, it, was a, it was a good year. We went to the bowl game. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the, you ended the bowl streak. That was yeah. when we lost to Illinois in the Texas Bowl that year. But yeah. We broke we broke the bowl this streak. So hey, look all look at that. Drake, you're next in line for huge milestones. Yeah. So, who graduated in 19? Somebody big. Somebody big graduated in 19 because that was a good year. I I yeah, some we don't we don't even know who they are yet. Um all right. Well, we we've we've gotten to that point in the podcast. We've run through everything that has to do with Baylor. Drake, anything else that that you wanted to just shout off the rooftops that you're that you're thinking about, that you're worried about, that you're excited about for the 2022 Baylor Bears. Baylor is good at football. And Blake Shape, I talked to some players last night actually. Uh Blake Shapen is also very good at football. Shape, as they call him, is very good at football. He will be not a Heisman winner, but in the conversation at least for Big 12 offense, offensive player of the year. I've so let me ask you a question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me jump in here. Since you said shape. So I'm going to show my age here. So in the Halloween classic, Halloween, um, they refer to Mike Myers as the shape. Do you think we could get the shape with Mike Myers masks in- incorporated into like student um, section at McLean? Um, 20 years ago, yes. 2022. Matt, you got, you got a, a new lot, movie coming out. We got, got a, a lot of out. explaining to do to a lot of Baylor students. You got to set them all down and really say it slow here. That, and I have been told, I have been told that games now are are like a a social event where what you wear almost matters as much as the outcome of the game. You're telling me, Drake, that students in 2022 don't know references from a film from 1978 yes crazy as it sounds yes i am saying exactly that matt I, you would be shocked as am i i get the references but i could go, i've got seven roommates. got seven roommates right now i can't tell you what they're doing because it's a family-friendly podcast i had seven roommates not a single one of them okay, they'd probably. be just right over their head are you t- are you serious that movie's 44 years old I took my hat I'll off. I'll trust your math. That. I mean, I'm, wow. Yes. Wow. Jamie Lee Curtis is like 17. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they definitely, yeah. they've never seen, they've seen the remakes, but they've never seen the original, man. No. Now, I, Drake, what, it, how do you feel about this, you know, the student section? I've seen some really cool videos of the freshmen that are coming in from Welcome Week this week. As, as a senior, you're going to get the opportunity to run the line one last time. You know, how, how are you feeling as this is your last foray as a student going into this? Because it's different. I'll tell you, like having spent four or five years on campus as a student, coming back, it's not necessarily better or worse. It's just different. How are you feeling going into this being your last athletic year? Yeah, this is as connected, I think, as I'll ever be to campus. And coming to that realization, reality is kind of a tough thing, but there's no there's no way around that. Unless I come back and work for Baylor in, the, in an administration role years and years down the road, this is as close as I'll get to the heartbeat of campus. That part's really sad. 
running the line for the last time, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll throw it out there. I am a, a Baylor line elitist in that I didn't like it that much. It just made me anxious because I knew I was going to get trampled and tear an ACL because it is like a full stampede of much more athletic people than me. So I was like, I'll stay in the back and kind of tiptoe and stuff. Uh, also, you know, working in media, you, you, you get the side of being a little more objective, a little less biased. I know both of you guys get that when you see it from a, I get to, I have to talk about this role, then you see it from a different eye. So I don't know if I've gotten to celebrate that true, um, I've never gotten to scream and holler at a Baylor football game since I started in college. Uh, aside from one time when I got kicked out of the TCU student section, won't tell that story for a little bit for legal reasons. Um, but, but that to me is, is what makes this year so uh, difficult. It's not being in the middle of campus anymore. Um, so I'll miss that, but I'll, I'll definitely cherish all the games a little bit more than usual. Yeah. I, I will say it's, you have a unique perspective because you, you sit up in the press box and you, and you, you, you look at Baylor games, both as a fan and as a medium, as a media member. Um, but I will, one of my favorite things about when I went to the West Virginia game last year and I was up in the box, I sat next to Travis Roeder and yeah, he is, it was my favorite thing in the world, watching his under the table fist bumps and like, He's just, you know, it's like the meme of the kid in class. That's like holding everything inside. Like that was Travis. Like he wanted to let it out. Um, So I do hope that you get an opportunity to maybe go down for one and just scream a little bit. I will throw out this small anecdote, big 12 championship game. Obviously, you know, the tale it's first and goal. And, you know, Oklahoma State's going to win the game when McVeigh got that stop. I'm sitting alongside Kendall Cout, who was working his first like football game of the season for Baylor. Kendall's to my left, Sam Kahn's right behind us. We get the national media here, ESPN, the athletic, whoever, <laughs> when they got that stop on the goal line, right arm over Kendall left arm, like muzzling him. Like I've got his head locked in right here. Obviously no one else has moved in this press box. Cause they're all the pristine writers that are just clacking away. I grab Kendall and just, just loud grunts, really loud grunts. And everybody kind of stops and looks at me. And of course I, I like immediately let go and look around. And I was like, I pay to go here. A lot of money. Just my one moment. Sorry. And it's just got, get, went right back to writing and everybody else just uh, whatever. That's the one time that I've truly gotten to let my inner Baylor fandom go. So uh, this is the last thing I'll bug you on. If you could wave Drake's magic wand and get rid of the press box rule, would you? Uh, if I could, if I could allow everyone to go nuts in the press box, I think it'd be the coolest thing. Just imagine, yeah. you know, the no, writers. I think the whole reason it exists is because there's going to be like opposing fans, and it's like we're all adults like i if if i'm at the tcu game sitting in the press box and the tcu writer wants to get yeah. excited i don't care he deserves to well, think about like a jerry hill john warner huge like yeah. jumping high five <laughs> after a touchdown that thing's so wholesome and then you know tcu beat writers that are shaking hands and everybody hugging i think it'd be the coolest thing make your own makeshift yeah. radio box for this year because john morris can go as crazy as he wants yeah, yeah. I, I was with Larry at radio my freshman year. And when you have your own box, that double overtime Texas Tech game, I took my shirt off. <laughs> Don't tell anyone I said that. Oh, Just between us. Going. Yeah. All right, Joe. We've talked about Baylor. Um, but there is other college football this week. This is a game week for some teams. 
Um, it is actually what they call to, I mean, I guess it's week zero for all intents and purposes, but it kind of leads into week one, right? Yeah. It's the so first week of football. I want to say like, there's a lot of, there, a lot, there's a good chunk of games. Uh, is there anything, like, I'm a, I'm a big college football, like sicko. So I'm looking at a particular game. Are there any games aside from the power five games that jump off to you? Or Drake. Besides the power five games. Easy. Not even close. I will have my eyes and pocketbook glued to North Texas and UTEP. I think that's going to be such a fun game. Oh, I cannot wait. That's going to be a great game. Yeah. Tickets as low as $22 for that game, by the way. Is that one? Oh, it's in El Paso. Sweet. So you're driving. You are driving. I'll drive. Sure. Why not? I'm sure my wife will gas will be $500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit better now. That's actually one of the more expensive games of the weekend, believe it or not. Um, man, there's not really many games that don't involve the power five at all in weeks. Yeah. You've got the very first game of the year with Western Kentucky hosting Austin P UNLV, Idaho state, Yukon, Utah state, the Yukon, Utah state, the sicko in me is really excited about that one because I think Utah State's just going to destroy UConn. And any yeah, I mean, chance- that's, that's my take too. Is like, this is just going to be like a Utah State, like, yeah, it's um, getting demolish. to watch UConn play football is a blessing. Like, a, who's their yeah. coach now? Who Jim Mora. That really? Jim Mora Jr. Oh, wow. Jim Mora oh. Jr. is the head coach of UConn. Gotcha. All right, well, including the Power Five. There's there's one major game of the week, yeah. but there's power fives all, all up and down there. Drake, sure. What what are you most excited to watch? We've got kickoff starting at 11 a.m. running until 9:30 p.m. First off, are you going to be glued to your TV all day that day? Um, I have been in years past, and I think I will be for sure. Fact of football is back. Will I enjoy it? Oh. It's Nebraska Northwestern as the marquee game on a Saturday. That's all you need to know to be like, oh, this is not college while being back at its full luster. It is the the kind of crappy appetizer when you're really excited for the main course, but it's still food and you're super hungry. That's my that's the best way I can describe it. So I will eat it happily, but gosh, that last bite is gonna take a lot to scarf down. There will be a good game over the over the course of this slate, but I will have to take a break at some point. It's gonna be Duquesne at Florida State. That's gonna be the good game. That's yeah. That's the one where you're like, "Holy Florida State!" It's Chad Morris all over again, but at a different university. Yeah, it, 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 that yeah. could be awful. What I'm most excited about is I'm going to be lazy and drinking probably all day long, and it's going to be late at night, and I'm going to be tired, but I'm going to pour myself oh. a nice strong glass of Balconies at 9:30 p.m. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to fall asleep watching Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Yeah. The game's going to put you to sleep. Won't even, you won't even take the tire. You could be wide awake, fresh off of a Red Bull. You're still done. Now I, I think- will say to the Northwestern Nebraska game. I saw one of the funniest comments I've ever seen on Reddit about this game. Cause somebody said that it was going to be 11 to nine and yeah. a Northwestern fan piped up and said, uh, that's not going to be the case because there's no way their defense could hold anybody to 11, nor their offense have the ability to score nine. So. <laughs> but it's in Ireland, so it's going to be one of those weird things where it'll be at night while it's daytime here. Yeah. Matt, yeah, I mean, what about you? What's the thing? Like, what are you, are you going to be up? Are you, I know you will be. You're going to be just yeah. going to be glued to your couch. Your kids aren't well, going to be able be, to get you up. It'll be on all day. 
don't know about glued, but it'll be like background for sure. Uh, I think looking at the schedule, something that piqued my interest was uh, the Charlotte Florida Atlantic for some reason. That kind of mm-hmm. stands out to me. Yeah. I, I could see Florida A&M at North Carolina being one of those games where you're, you're watching the North Texas UTEP game which I, I hope we can watch that. I don't actually see a TV network with that one, but you're it's watching like stadium TV or something like that. Oh God. So you're watching Nevada, New Mexico state, and you get an ESPN update that pops up. That's like Florida A&M up by three in the third quarter against North Carolina. That's what I could see happening. Yeah. yeah. yeah so like I'm of course on lsufootball.net, which is the greatest website ever. Um, all times are in central time, which is God's time zone. And yeah, so the North Texas UTEP game is on stadium video, which is something that exists. <laughs> it's stadium. I I hope what that is, is that you have to pay them a fee to get the in-game stadium feed. I think stadium is a website uh, or some type of media company. Uh, I think it's on like over-the-air broadcast. I don't, I'm not sure. But uh, they do have a website because I, I clicked on the link today from lsufootball.net and it does take you to a stadium website where they do have videos. So there's that. Yeah, interesting enough. We, we, we'll see next Saturday. But yeah, like Drake, that's the game that I think is going to be a really good game, even though most people probably will not be able to watch it. Yeah. It, it's, it, that's what piqued my interest the most. Aside from that, um, outside of the Power Five games, I thought like short Charlotte, Florida Atlantic probably. I think, <clears throat> which I mean, we get, I want to see what Florida Atlantic does. I think they have a new head coach, and then Charlotte, you know, they kind of built up a pretty decent program there. So, excellent. Well, Matt, any questions besides that for Drake? No, Drake. Thank you for coming on. You have been peak, Drake. And we certainly do appreciate it. It has been a pleasure. Uh, Peak Drake is probably the best compliment I've ever received. And it's probably, it's, it shouldn't be one. It really shouldn't. <laughs> I am at one of these days going to stop drinking caffeine and you will never hear from me again. Go, uh, go outside your door and yeah. tell all your, tell all the, all your roommates that, that you were just Peak Drake. I will, I will absolutely tell them that. And they will have no idea what's going on. Um, you, it's, you're from Arkansas, correct? You couldn't what part tell. Of Arkansas? You could tell. That was yeah. Uh, I'm from the small town of Valonia, Arkansas. Population one. Uh, just me. I was a hell of a mayor, though. Really good mayor. I elected myself. Uh, and then Valonia is nearest to Conway, which is kind of close to Little Rock. Okay. Oh, um, that you I'm know also, it's a small um, town if you yeah. have to if you have to close to if you have to do close to twice. Yeah. Yeah. So I am. My family on my mom's side is also from Arkansas. It's from Clarksville, Arkansas. Yeah, they are. Home of the Clarksville Panthers. Dang so, straight. So, yes. Yeah, so, are we, that's how, uh, that's how we get down. So, there's Outside that. Outside of Russellville, the interstate. I love it. I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, Joe, Drake, you wouldn't know. Drake, plug, plug your stuff. You've got, plug your life. Plug, uh, plug it all. Where can uh, the people find you? Where can they find your content? Where can they interact? You guys come to Waco Tours. Come watch me give a tour at Waco Tours. You'll be, you'll love it. You'll go nuts. Uh, you can go to Locked On Baylor on YouTube, wherever you find your podcast, daily podcasts. Uh, also, you can check out the one we did with Joe last week. I'm sure we'll do one with Matt here pretty soon. 
Also, um, Inside the Bears, doing some writing for Inside the Bears and the crew over there. Um, China Spring Football every Friday night. And then I DoorDash sometimes. So DoorDash food. Play that game. Play a little roulette with your with your DoorDash and see if it's me. <laughs> Matt will soon. He's moving back to Waco. Hey. Yes, I'm moving back to Waco. So is everybody like else. Two weeks. So yeah. Luckily, there's like a billion new housing developments all in and around town. So Finding a house, not hard. Finding a cheap house, hard. As all the old people told me when I was there, and I will tell you now, it's it, you guys just have it so much better than back in my day. Hey, the Grease Pit. They've added 28 new restaurants since 2012. True fact. Jesus. Yeah. Well, Drake, you have class tomorrow, and it is 10.30 p.m., so that means yeah. you've only got, what, three hours before you're going to start getting tired and have to wake up. So, <sighs> yeah. Really got to wind down. I'm going to be in bed by three or four and asleep by five. So I should probably start now. See you guys. Luckily, you can sleep in that shirt and just get up and go to class. Though. Yeah, that's exactly go. what I'm going to do. That's what they think. So, well, guys, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I would love to do it at any point in time again. Excellent. Thank you Thanks, so much, sir. Yeah. All right. There it is. Your hour-long special of Locked On Baylor, the Bear Den Pop. What a great crossover. Those guys are outstanding. And if you come back tomorrow, Cam Stewart joins the show. We go team by team across the Big 12 and break down everybody's schedule, project every record in the Big 12 as well. It is going to be insane. I know, Cam, everybody, uh, the big groan, but I, I can't wait for it. Hope you enjoyed the hour-long Locked On special today. When we come back tomorrow, again, it's going to be wild. This has been, always will be. Thanks for the rain. Thanks for Joe Goodman. Thanks for Matt Workman. Locked on Baylor.